0: Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today is the second Sunday in Advent, our season of watching and waiting, anticipating the coming of the Emmanuel, the God with us. And this morning, I want to think about the character of Zechariah and something that his son says a little bit later on. As you may have noticed this morning, instead of singing a psalm, we sang a canticle. A canticle is a section of scripture that can be either said or set to music that is poetry but not necessarily in the book of Psalms. And this poem that we sang this morning was the song of Zechariah. Now I'm sure from Sunday school you all remember Zechariah. Zechariah is the husband of Elizabeth, the cousin of the Virgin Mary. And Zechariah is a priest, a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. And like Abraham and Sarah, Zechariah and Elizabeth have had trouble conceiving a child, and they are late in life. And one day Zechariah has the honor of going into the center portion of the temple in Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, and offering incense unto the Lord. And while he's going about his sacred and solemn duties, the angel Gabriel appears to him and tells him that after so many years his wife will bear a son and they will name him John and he will be the herald of the coming of Christ. Now Zechariah was a good man, was a holy man, was an observant man, but he was a man which meant he is human, and now upon hearing this fantastic news, he wasn't exactly sure about what was going on. And he says, to paraphrase Zechariah, that's a lot to digest right now. And the angel ties his tongue and he is mute for the entirety of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And then on the eighth day of his life, no comments about that, please. (laughs) On the eighth day of John's life, he is presented in the temple, and John, excuse me, and Zechariah takes John in his arms, this blessed boy that they had been praying for for so long, and now has such a great and important role in the history of the world. And he looks at this precious boy and he says, You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His way, to give His people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And John grows and grows into the great prophet that he is called to be. And we will hear more about John and his words next week. But this morning, we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah that John is fulfilling. The voice of the one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And all of these words... In our gospel this morning, from the book of Isaiah, all of them are powerful and we could spend hours meditating and processing them, but I don't think you signed up for that this morning. But I do want to think about one word, and that is wilderness, as in the voice crying out in the... The wilderness is a locale frequented by our friends in scripture. And the wilderness is not that pleasant recreational space that we might think of when we think of wilderness in the 21st century. We think of wilderness and we think of going fishing or going hiking or just stopping by the side of the road and enjoying a beautiful vista. But in scripture, the wilderness was a place of fear, the wilderness was a place of danger, the wilderness was a place of the devil. And during the Exodus, the Hebrew people traveled through what the Bible describes as a great and terrible wilderness, and the prophet Jeremiah describes Israel as nomads in the wilderness who had polluted the land with their wickedness. Bruce Feiler, the author of Walking the Bible, wrote of the wilderness, the last thing you notice about the wilderness is the noise. I once stepped into the open terrain and I was amazed by the din, the wind whining through the mountains, the sand tinkling against your face, the rocks crunching beneath your feet. The wilderness may be an empty desert, but it's the least quiet place. I have ever been. And so I wonder, in thinking about wilderness in this biblical way, where is our wilderness? In this world that we live in, where do we find a wilderness that might be frightening or alarming or disconcerting? A true story. Bill, and names have been changed to protect the innocent, Bill lived in New Orleans all his life. He grew up in New Orleans. He went to school in New Orleans. He found work in New Orleans. And he loved his fair city for all its characters and eccentricities and sins that made it so famous and unique. And then one day, about ten years ago, the paper and the radio began talking about a storm, and Bill and his neighbors began to pray that their city might be spared yet again. But on a Sunday, officials began to announce that they feared that this was the storm that they had been dreading for so long, and evacuation orders were issued. And Bill lived in the Ninth Ward, and in a very low-lying area of the Ninth Ward, and he knew he had to get out, but he didn't have a car or a buddy with a car, and no means to get out of the city, so he found himself in a hotel in the Central Business District. And he went up to his hotel room, and he couldn't see out the windows, because the power was out at night, and the rain pelted the window by day, and so all he saw was sort of a gray blur. Blur. And after two days of enduring the storm, he woke up one morning to the sun finally shining. But he looked out on a broken city, a city devoid of its residents, a city where the levees had broken, a city in desperate need. And this is, I remind you, this is a true story because this is way too convenient if you didn't know it to be true. But he reached into the side table by the bed and pulled out that Gideon Bible. And he opened the Bible and let the pages fall where they may. And it fell open to the 60th chapter of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. And despite all that Bill saw in front of him, a cautious optimism kindled in his heart and he dared to dream of a better day. And while he knew that his city and, as we well know, uh, that region would face much adversity in the days and weeks and years to come, that the glory of the Lord will always be with them. And so like Bill in that story and his city, all of us in times of our lives live in the wilderness and perhaps our wilderness is not as calamitous. Our wilderness might not be as newsworthy, but it is our wilderness nonetheless. And our wilderness may be a job that is unsatisfying. Our wilderness may be a relationship that is crumbling. Our, relation, our wilderness might be a addiction that is coming into focus. Our wilderness... May be a way that our society discriminates against us. Our wilderness might be the violence and uncertainty that infects our world. But regardless of what it is, we live in wilderness. But the good news is this morning that despite our wilderness, God does and will breakthrough. This is what John the Baptist was heralding and what we will celebrate in a mere couple of weeks. This is the good news of great joy that some angels told some shepherds on one cold winter's night. This is what Zechariah sang to his baby boy. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. God breaks through, my brothers and sisters. God breaks through despite our grief Despite our anxiety, despite our alienation, despite our wilderness, whatever it may be, God breaks through, and the dawn will break upon us. Amen.